Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Going with the question part of our presentation, but first a little bit about the upcoming SACPA sessions. Uh, because of the tragic loss of uh, our city councillor, Wade Galloway, we're having a by-election, and is hosting a forum for city councillor candidates on Wednesday, April 30th, at the Lethbridge Public Library from 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, our Thursday speaker next week is Dr. Dwayne Bratt from Mount Royal University in Calgary. And his topic is the federal government's proposed Fair Election Act. How fair is it? And... Brian Mason will be coming on May 8th to our lunchtime session to discuss political issues from an opposition viewpoint. Okay, more, more information related to Dr. Gettle's talk and much more can be found on SACPA's website. Uh, Mark's PowerPoint presentation will be posted there. You can hear the audio of his and past sessions and participate in online commentary. I think that's a facility that doesn't get very much use. And there's also a suggestion box outside for those of you who have not yet joined the Facebook and Twitter age to contribute your ideas for speakers or any other aspect of SACPA. Today, we've come to appreciate the trials and tribulations of installing and using photovoltaic electricity in Lethbridge. Our speaker is Dr. Mark Gettle. And I ask him to come back to the podium to entertain your questions. Thanks again, Mark. So I hope everybody's had a good meal and there's not a very hostile crowd here today. Yes, Mark. I have to thank you for your presentation. I have to confess um, I'm a little bit... Uh, Rattled because every day, every time I hear Dr. Mark, I look, who's looking for me? So I'm Dr. Mark Sandylands. Yes, well, I did <laughs> the full thing. So, are are there uh, regulatory regimes in other places in Canada or other places in the world that uh, would encourage? the uh, installation of solar uh, uh, panels uh, much better than they are in Alberta? Well, yes, definitely. Describe uh, them. Well, okay, I don't know all the specific details, but certainly Germany is at the forefront. They've installed a tremendous amount, and it's subsidized, so therefore you get more money for green energy than you would if you were pre pre uh, producing uh, electricity based on dirty fuel or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so Germany is at the forefront. Ontario also had a program, and I believe it's also subsidized too. So people get more money for green energy than they do. In Alberta, there is no such program. So, And around the world, also the U.S. has a big program. I forget what it's called. They have uh, uh, J Japan. I mean, most of the countries, many of the countries certainly do have programs to switch from fossil fuels into green energy. 
Hi, Mark. Um, I'm Rena Wass, and I'm one of the candidates for this upcoming by-election. Um, thanks for your presentation. I'm sorry I missed the very first part of it, but I really believe that the city needs to do all it can to make it easy for our citizens to be environmentally responsible. And I know a lot of us would love to have solar panels on our, on our roofs and do our bit for the environment. Well, on that front, I really believe the last city council has failed us. And every time I drive by that CASA building, I just, my hair stands up. $26 million and not, there's no uh, solar panels, feed-in um, geothermal. It's not on a feed-in tariff or net zero. And you've run into bureaucracy problems. I see that's unacceptable. What would you have the city do to smooth out the bureaucracy so that people can get in and get those panels on their roof? Thank you. <laughs> well, it's like anything, cost sharing. For instance, I would love to see Harper take G GST off of green power as a, as a minimum. I mean, 5%, I think this is a shame for our country. Provinces are subsidizing, countries are subsidizing, but we could at least get rid of the tax on green power. Uh, within the city, well, it would be nice if we had a city engineer. I believe in the past we did have a city engineer, and part of the inspection services were part of it, but I think 10 or 15 years ago it disappeared, so now we have to get a commercial engineer to do that. So it would be nice if either the city subsidized or paid for part of that. Um, and all, again, we have this new um, environment, uh, Lethbridge, so hopefully they would be able to get see how we can cut some of the corners. So, so, so that the individual person that's setting up the solar doesn't have to bear all the costs. Like the $1,000. Actually, apparently it was even costing more than $1,000, but NMAX said that they would kick in more than $1,000 if I agreed to pay $1,000 for that uh, inspection. Good afternoon, Mark. Tom Kvetter. My question is, when you're generating your own power, and since you're hooked up to the electrical grid, if there's a power failure somewhere in the city of Lethbridge, do you have a master disconnect switch, or how do you disconnect your power generation from the big grid? Yeah. Okay, these micro-inverters are so programmed so that when they cannot detect uh, an electric current, they shut off. So as soon as my power goes off, uh, as soon as the grid goes down, so does my uh, uh, solar array. Now, the way to get around that is if I disconnect from the city by pulling my... Um, uh, circuit breaker and starting up a generator then I could probably start getting the power again but the systems are made so that they could detect they have they only run when there is also power available okay my name is Van Christou thanks very much Mark for uh, for an excellent presentation uh, my question is around the possibility, uh, uh, and it seems to me you've done a lot of research on this, and I'm wondering about are there any communities, large communities in the world, that have uh, invested in, in a grid system, in a uh, solar system for the city, for example? Uh, is it feasible for the, for the city to invest in a solar system which would help uh, cut down the, the need for these ridiculous uh, connecting systems that we're paying so much money for, uh, traveling from the north, northern Alberta down to the American border, uh, which are both ugly and very expensive and wasteful, uh, wasting 4% of the energy that's produced. 
Uh, is there such a thing going on in the world? Is it feasible economically? Yeah, certainly. I think there's a community in California that's declared themselves completely uh, off the grid. Now, of course, our problem is that we still need electricity from the grid because of the winter, because of shading, etc. So um, our, our big problem we have is in storage, right? So even if we were going to put enough solar in Lethbridge to power every house, as soon as we had nightfall or as soon as we had snowfall or whatever, we'd be in trouble. So we have to integrate the systems with wind, solar, and others that can come up very quickly to replace the power that's needed when these green energy uh, sources are, are depleted. But yes, there are. There are communities that have gone, gotten together uh, in California, I think it is, that uh, basically when you put up your house, you've got a solar panel on there, and, and they're trying to become energy efficient. Bridget Mearns, thank you so much for your presentation. I was actually uh, on city council when this first came up, and Jeff Kaufman brought it forward to the Environment Committee. I was a co-chair of that committee, and we had a chance to take a look at the issue. Uh, and one of the things that kept coming up from our city um, inspectors and what we were hearing in the industry is obviously, can our roofs support these solar panels, and how can we make sure uh, that that's safe for our citizens and, and the homeowners? So I wanted to, to sort of examine that a bit more. You mentioned a city engineer might be a way to, to help facilitate this process, but how much, um, how heavy are these ballasts and how, uh, without the engineer inspection, how would you know that your roof can handle the load and how are you proposing that that be addressed? Yeah. Well, uh, the rest of the cities in the province have been putting up, they've been having solar panels in and it hasn't been a big problem. Um, 40, 40 pounds a panel, and when you think of that, you know, that's the equivalent of having three or four people stand on your roof. But it's more complex than that. I realize that, like I was explained to me, it's not just the weight. It's the wind shear and the different angles that you're going to have. The wind shear can, you know, as we know, can, 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 is a tremendous amount of pressure on a roof. Also, depending on the angle and the orientation, snow drifting. You have a flat roof, it doesn't really drip. But you start putting, like, snow fences up there, you're going to start accumulating snow. So there are reasons, for, certainly, to, to have it looked at and to have it certified. So you but, do agree with that regulation. Well, so what are the other yeah. communities doing? Are they just not having these inspections and hoping that the roof holds the load? Or are, there, are they doing it in other ways? As far as I know, they, none of these cities require a roof stru a structural... Uh, Engineer certificate and NMAX doesn't. NMAX does the installation. They don't require. No. Do they, they have any liability if it were yeah. to break your roof? Or I guess you have to. Something has to happen. You have to take it to court and see what happens. Okay. I guess. But yeah. But I think you know. First of all, on a flat roof, maybe it was a, a different situation too. If you have a roof that's already sloped and you're just putting panels flat on there, really wind shear and snow drifting and all that is not much of an issue. And this is why probably they said that, well, since yours is a flat roof, it's a little bit different. But uh, if you already have an angled roof, I think you know, having an inspection probably is not so, as critical as, not, uh, as if you have something different. I think I'm there. Thank you. My name is Joseph Natuck. I uh, appreciate your presentation. I've been working on this for the last 25 to 30 years, trying to do the same as you're doing. 
uh, I do have a solar panel on my trailer, a little small trillium. My, uh, the comment I was going to make, I just respond to the, uh, the speaker to the, probably the second or uh, third speaker away, that noted that uh, what can the city do? Well, I think the city is doing quite a bit, actually, and I'm speaking on behalf of the, uh, the Helen Schuler Nature Center. They have a lead approved, I believe almost approved, center which includes uh, solar panels. So, so it, there is, uh, I, I think the city is very sensitive and very aware of what they have to do. So, but it's just a matter of getting things done. So I just want to make that comment, and I think it's a, it's a great thing. Uh, I don't have to uh, hook up to power in my trailer, so it works very well. Thank you. Uh, Art Sanford, uh, Mark, and um, thank you for your presentation. But And solar panel, by the way, is not new. My neighbor had it 35 years ago on his roof here in Lethbridge. But let me paint a different scenario, and maybe I'm a bit of a wet blanket when I look at this, at wind power and solar panel. Uh, they're good when the sun shines and the wind blows. Now, one thing we demand of our electrical power in, in Alberta is that it be available 24-7, every day of the year. So the result is every time you have a wind farm or solar panel going, you still have a coal-fired or a gas-fired plant backing it up. And because we are on that kind of a system, we don't have hydropower like British Columbia where they can have dams where they can turn them up and down fairly quickly. We have to keep these uh, plants at full operation all the time available so they have the steam up so they can turn on the power when it's needed. So my thinking is, when you, when, if you, we come to thousands and thousands of houses with solar panels, yes, it may reduce some costs somewhere there, but it's going to add on the emergencies end, they're going to have to charge much higher rates because it's still going to cost the money to keep the plant running. I mean, even in Denmark, where they talk about wind power, there's, there's a, a coal-fired plant backing up every, every kilowatt of power. So it, it's kind of, and you can't store electricity, that's our problem. I mean, you can do it in your house in a small way on some batteries, but as far as commercially, you can't store electricity. So I'm wondering, is this really going to be the answer? Because all we're going to do is we're going to maybe reduce the cost of the solar power, but the standby is going to go off through the roof. Your comments? Yeah. We're in a transition period, and during a transition period, there's always a, these, these problems. For instance, uh, what did the first barrel of oil from the tar sands cost? with all the subsidies from the government and whatever. So we have to start somewhere and go from there. So if we believe in climate change, if we believe that we have to reduce the uh, greenhouse gases, if we believe that we're going to run out of oil, fossil fuels sometime in the future, we have to start changing. So here we are in a situation, Germany is a good example. The problem is that, as you point out, the more greenhouse gas, uh, greenhouse, or green energy we produce, we still need the standbys. But the problem, the standbys are still going the way they used to all the time. Now, I was speaking to my NMAX, and the, and the person at NMAX was saying that even a coal-fired plant can down or, or upgrade within an hour about 20% of its power. Then we go a look at electricity uh, produce. Okay, that's steam. Steam takes time to produce. But we can also have gas generators. Just like you're starting your car, you can get that power going within minutes. So if we had generators that were using natural gas as a, as a motor instead of burning the gas to produce steam, to produce then to, tur to turn the turbines. 
Then we don't have storage, that's true, but we have new batteries coming up. There's possibility of hydro. We don't have natural hydro. You can pump water up and then start letting it down when you need it. So there are many, many ways. There's flywheels. There's all kinds of technologies that are coming up. But today, yes, I agree, because we are in a transition period, the producers, the conventional producers, are still powering up their plants, still hoping to sell their, their power. They haven't um, adjusted to the reality of the future where there's going to be less and less power needed during times where the wind's blowing or when the sun is shining. So where do we start? Are they going to start changing before there's green green power available? Or are they going to start changing when the green power is available and they're going to stop making money when uh, they're going to lose money if they're burning their fuel and not selling their electricity? So yes, it's going to cost. Obviously, if we're going to switch from fossil fuels to green energy, it's going to cost. And we'll just have to absorb that cost. I... I hate to interrupt the questions, but uh, I would like to point out that uh, Costco sells a 17-kilowatt gas power generator for $4,000, and I hope you don't run right over to buy one. <laughs> okay. uh, James Moore, thank you very much, Mark. Uh, very timely uh, presentation, also in view of the climate change IPCC report that we need to do something and we need to start a couple of years ago. Um, I just want to add to what you said about, because the concern about storage and having to have energy 24-7, I mean, one of the behavior changes that might be interesting is who is actually benefiting from this 24-7. We can imagine that there was a time for most of our human history when we didn't have energy 24-7, and we were able to adapt our behavior to accommodate that. You can imagine scenarios like when the wind's blowing, we can make stuff, and we have too much stuff anyway, and when the wind's not blowing, we could do something else, like maybe uh, work in our gardens or something like that. So these are possible behavior changes, but in terms of the, the research, in terms of the energy and the money that's going into really looking effectively at changing towards healthy energy, energy that's there freely available like solar and wind. There are tremendous things happening in spite of the reluctance of the fossil industry to accommodate it. And I just wanted to mention that in Spain, they are having a, now, this is very recently, they've actually got 24-hour solar because they've been able to do an array where they're focusing a whole bunch of solar and melting salt. And salt retains its heat, and they're able to use that to power their system overnight. So there's just one example. And I want to add, you know, we're spending something like $2 trillion a year on weapons systems, an incredible amount of research into that. Can you imagine what we might be able to do on the transition to green energy that, if we put even half of that that into sounds that like direction? A, we're coming to a question. No. Can you, the question, can you imagine? The question answers itself. Thank you. <laughs> so there's no answer necessary. <laughs> yeah. 
Hi, I'm Olivia Shinevich. Um, like you mentioned at the beginning, under the micro-generation regulation, you can only produce as or generate as much as or less than what you consume. Um, based on your projection of about 3,000 kilowatt hours a year, so about 250 kilowatt hours a month, is that what you consume on a monthly basis? And around that, um, was there any kind of energy efficiency or energy use changes, uh, studies done in the home uh, before or maybe even after the installation? So in the future, is that something you're concerned about using actually less than what you're generating? Okay, that's a very good question because the regulation now is that when you install, you cannot install more than your average use in, that, in the previous year. So yes, since I've installed, I'm weaning myself slowly into LED lights that, you know, 20 bucks a light bulb. So when the light bulb goes out, so I am uh, doing as much as I can to reduce the amount of energy that I'm, being, I'm, I'm producing, uh, I'm using. Uh, right now with 12 panels, your average house consumes about 6,000 kilowatts a year, I believe. And so therefore, you'd need at least about, about what the Menda and Henning and Bev installed, about 20. Four panels. I've got 12 panels. But I've talked to some people, and I'm just amazed at how much power they're using. They have, you know, if you have a hot tub that's heated all winter and all summer by electricity, you, you can double that uh, amount as normal, uh, of normal. But as far as I'm concerned right now, I'm thinking I'll probably be replacing about 50%, a little bit more, 50 to 60% of what, um, what I use. Or be using. My name is Cosmos Butsinos. Thank you for your presentation. We need people like you to start the wheels rolling in that direction. Um, us, in my understanding, us the green, so-called green energies right now, have not reached the technology level where they can carry the society on their own. Would you agree with me on that? If we have storage, if we get into the storage, definitely. I mean, even just the sun. I mean, the sun <laughs> rains so much photons onto the earth that if we could capture all that, so it would be fine. But we need to store it because as we, as we, we need heat in the, winter, uh, in the winter, at night, etc. So the big critical part right now is not the production of the energy, but then how do we store it or how do we use it when that green energy is not there? If the technology is continuously evolving and developing, for example, the sun gives us almost 10 times the amount we can convert into PV panels. And I owe, by the way, eight big voltage panels, and I'm using them, but on 12 volt. The mm -hmm. inverter also consumes about 12, 7% uh, about of the power that the panels produce. But now it's another story. Mm -hmm. If we keep consuming and deploying unfinished technology, we do not give the manufacturers and the producers the incentive to do extensive R&D to improve this technology. And there is just a food for thought. The more we deploy an imperfect technology, the more we deprive ourselves from the perfect technology that will come if they had the right um, 
incentive the people, to, the manufacturers, to, pro, to do the R&D needed to develop the perfect panels. Because yeah. we could go totally independent on solar panels if we could capture the whole thing, but we only capture a small portion of it. Yeah. Wouldn't it be better to give them the incentive to produce better panels rather, rather than deploy them flat out in perfect ones? Yeah. It's the same sort of thing as, you know, why should I buy a smartphone today? Because I hear tomorrow there's a thinner, smaller, better smartphone available or computer. And I think the computer industry really learned that very quickly. You know, uh, Intel would say, oh, Pentium 3 is coming out. And people stopped buying Pentium 2 and the computers were there. So it's the same sort of thing. I think I, I would argue the other way. I would think that if people aren't installing solar, then why would our industry would want to produce a better solar panel? Because people aren't buying solar. So if people like myself start installing and they start seeing, wow, there's a market. People are going into it. It's costing, but they're still paying for it. I think that's the incentive to industry to get in and start doing better. And as far as so, that's one of the first questions that, I, that people ask me. And they say, well, you're putting these solar panels on, but, you know, I think they're going to be more energy efficient ones. By the time you've paid them off in 15 years, they're going to be much better ones. That's, I'm sure there will be, but somebody's got to start somewhere. Already, there's all kinds. There's solar panels that are now three-dimensional. Three and apparently, they have three layers, and each layer catches a different wavelength. So therefore, you've got three times the efficiency than a normal solar panel. But you know, when's that going to come on the market? So uh, yeah, you might be right. But I think with the amount of solar that's being installed and the, uh, as soon as the public starts showing interest in this and people start buying, that will actually stimulate, I think, more R&D than less. Because if we sit and just... Because our fossil fuels are so cheap right now, it's so difficult to compete with cheap gas and everything. So it, really, you know, the, the, the easiest thing is to sit and wait till oil runs out or gas runs out. Well, Unless people start buying and showing that they want change and they want different things. So okay. I think we've got... Sorry, oh, Mark, but I think we're running short of time. We have two questioners there, and I think we have time for two short questions, one, one from each. I wonder if you ask the public if two minutes is going to be enough. What's the hurry? Uh, my name is Frank Toth. Uh, Mark, you can see the, the, the turnout is fantastic for your, for your speech on this topic. I just wonder, uh, I and a half a dozen people are still coal miners here. I worked for an operation, I managed an operation at the industrial park at the airport in Calgary. Next door to me was a, a firm that guaranteed they can purify any water, air component in the world, guarantee it. Do you think there's a possibility, you're in the research business so-called, that coal again is being destroyed my fracking would still be... Uh, allowed to be clean, completely still used. We have quadrillion tons of it around the world. I think that's the question. Uh, that's, that's, that's the question. A, that's the question. Frank. You think it's possible? That's a little diverse, but you, why? Why would we couldn't do that yet? Yeah, I mean, definitely coal will remain a resource on Earth for a long time. But for what? You know, maybe we'll learn how to extract oil from it. We'll learn how to use it differently. But I think the way we've been using it now and the way it is 
causing pollution. There's particle pollution, sulfur, sulfur uh, or acid rain. There's things like that. So right now, the way we're using it is not the right way. But, I mean, to try and determine if in the future uh, somebody will be able to um, develop a, an economical way to use coal to produce energy is, is an open question. But definitely uh, it's not going to disappear. It's there. And if we need it uh, in the future, we'll, we'll probably, if we learn how to use it properly, we'll certainly go back to use it, I'm, I would say. Question. Thanks, Mark. I always enjoy listening to you. Um, Francis Schultz. My question is, what can you tell us about the setup that the City of Medicine Hat has in terms of solar power produ production? Yeah, that, that surprised me. I skipped through that uh, slide, but uh, right now in Lethbridge, there are 12, apparently 12 solar uh, installations, uh, residential uh, in the area around Lethbridge, there's 16 using my the same system that I'm using, the interface. Uh, Medicine had its 52. So I would think that you know, in those two years or so that we've been waiting to get the regulatory process, you know, cleaned up and everything, and uh, NMAX started installing in Lethbridge, other cities, Red Deer. Uh, Edmonton, even Edmonton, is out of the solar area. Have many more panels or many more installations than we do. So, so definitely, Medicine Hat has is way ahead of us in the game. And I would think it's the fact that we had the delay here in Lethbridge. I would hope. I would, because um, otherwise, I don't see any reason why uh, people in Medicine Hat shouldn't be more interested or less interested in solar than the people, or why the people in Lethbridge should be less inter interested in solar than in uh, Medicine Hat. Okay. Well, it's, I think it's time to thank uh, Mark for his presentation. We need to know 